Well, hello there, and welcome to Further Every Day, the podcast where we explore current events and cultural issues through the lens of the Christian worldview. But as uh, many lenses have a prismatic effect, we will each be looking at a certain angle of the Christian worldview. We're all sitting in chairs here. Each one of us will be sitting in a chair, and from that chair, we will argue that slice of the Christian apologetic. Uh, to my right, I have Josh. How are you, Josh? Hello, good sir. Back, <laughs> that back, was a back, delay. Back, back at it again. <laughs> okay. Easy. Here we are. We're back again. Oh my gosh, that was the most cringe Justin Timberlake song. Anyway, anyway. So Josh, uh, having to move the mic over, took him a moment. But uh, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. How about yourself, fine sir? I'm doing all right. He's looking at this donut. He's more focused on the donut than he is on the podcast. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, I know he's hungry. Growing boys have to eat. Yes, sir. Uh, so, boys too. And you'll be sitting in the chair of theology today, won't you, sir? Yes, I will. I'll be sitting in the chair of theology and discussing matters that are related to the Bible. Awesome. You'll be looking at Sola Scriptura, why we believe what we believe. And to his right, we have Mr. Charlie. How are Good you this morning? Good morning. Good to see you guys. Good to have you. And which chair will you be sitting in, sir? We're going to take a look at things from the political aspect. Absolutely. There is a political nature to the faith, and we will be discussing that today as we get into is in income inequality moral, but uh, more on that in just a moment. To his right, we have Miss Nikki. Good morning. How are you? Doing well. How about you? I will be sitting in the chair of culture. Excellent. Talking about the Christian counterculture that we need to levy against the lies that the devil tells us in our culture. So culture is downstream of uh, uh, theology and philosophy, and of course politics is downstream of culture. So, and on that note, I'll be sitting in the chair of philosophy. I'll also be warming the chair of economics until uh, uh, we get our, our fifth person in here, God willing. I, I think there might be some traffic issues, but uh, I'm John Arthur, your host. And again, I'll be sitting in the chair of philosophy primarily, uh, looking at the logic and reason God didn't make stupid rules. If you believe that God is the designer of the universe, you could look at the Bible as sort of a... This is not only God's nature, but this is the grain of the universe. Walk along the grain, and your life will be better. More importantly, you will honor your maker. But uh, if you read the title for the podcast, you know that we're talking about income inequality. Is it moral? And I'm going to start off by positing uh, that, that question around the room. Actually, let me hold up. I'm going to back up. We're going to go ahead and read one of the one or two of these stories first. I'm thinking we need to go ahead and read this one um, Pew Research poll. Do you, do you have that, Mr. Pomeroy? I do not. I okay. got the I've got the Market Watch one. No worries. So I'll start off with the Pew Research. So this is a Pew Research article online: um, trends in income and wealth inequality. And the long and short of it is, we we have these recessions. And we have these rallies. So last week we talked about the lower class growing. Now, that did happen from, what was it, 2009 to 2016. But in 2016, we elected a uh, certain president that was very orange and very bad. And despite his Twitter rhetoric, um, in three years, we saw a huge economic boom. But we did see 
income inequality, but we also saw a decrease in actual uh, poverty. So there's a, there, and, and that's a theme that we'll be seeing today, but the average uh, income, see, this is the household incomes have resumed growing following the Great Recession. This is again talking about the 2009-2016 slump. Median U.S. Uh, household income adjusted for household size and scaled to reflect three-person household in 2018 dollars. In 1970, the income was $50,000, give or take. In uh, 2000, it was $70,000 for that median household income. It dipped down to $65,000 in 2010 during that 2009 slump, the Great Recession. And it's back up to, as of this particular article in 20, this is 2020, uh, but up to 2018, it was at $74,600. So that was an increase. What people don't realize when we talk about income inequality is the lowest rung, the, po the poor, the poverty line keeps going up. And if we look at those who are poor, having a $1,000 iPhone is not something that someone could have said that they had 20 years ago. Totally agree. And that, and that comes from the prosperity that uh, is created by that quote-unquote income inequality. But medium income is a bad measure for that reason because the question is always, what is the quality of living? So let's ask the question, is there going to be income inequality across the board from, from the theological chair? Are there going to be inequalities in heaven? Is there different reward for different work? How about oh, the sure. how about the, sure. for sure. the talents? For sure, for sure. And also, I think that just it, yeah, the Bible pretty clearly teaches the fact that there are people who are going to be. Uh, I'm not going to say more righteous. That's not the correct terminology that I want to use here. But and I don't want to use the word of like more works. Can you help they me? Worked here? What harder. Yeah, they, they worked harder for the sake of the gospel. They spent more time yeah, that's what I'm looking seeking for. lost souls and, and speaking to them, investing in their lives. I, and I forget that passage that says, that talks, I know the gifts passage, obviously, but the passage that talks about the crowns yes. stored up in heaven and storing your treasure in heaven rather on earth. Now, the topic of income inequality is interesting to me, and I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of an economic Sure, here. we're talking obviously, about economics in obviously. general. But I think it's important to talk about the idea of competition. The idea of competition and what is it good? Because with competition, it does produce, like what you said, income inequality, but does it produce poverty? Never. I would say competition never leads directly to poverty. And, and this is something that uh, there's a book I'm reading. It's called uh, Biblical Economics. It's a pretty blunt title uh, by some of my professors I had in college, really good professors. But something that one of them would always harp on was the idea of the free market and competition and about how. And I don't like using the word trickle down economics or Reaganomics, but but trickle down economics is a pejorative used by the left against 
against really just allowing people to succeed. Mm -hmm. it, it's essentially saying that whenever, when, when, when people are succeeding, everybody's kind of succeeding in a little bit of a, of a manner because people will be making more money. Now, will there be a greater disparity potentially in the income? For sure. And I think that's what we saw from that, from those stats and from those articles is that there is a greater income inequality, but the poverty line has also been raised. And so I think there is an equality of life for those who are impoverished. It used to be that having one TV in the house was a rich man's item. You don't, you had, what was it, 80 or so years of the uh, Soviet Union and America at the same time, by the 90s, poor people could have TVs in America. Good luck finding that in the Soviet Union. Yeah. Good luck finding multiple TVs in Soviet Union homes. Also, something beautiful about the country we live in is that we can at least have the idea of opportunity cost and entertain that and entertain the idea of comparative advantage. Whereas and, other countries, they're scrambling for their lives. Yeah, they're scrambling for their lives. So we can actually worry about the idea of, okay, well, it's probably not, like for example, a dry cleaning store. They might not produce their own hangers. They might just outsource it to somewhere else because they see that the opportunity cost is better to do it that way. Yep. And in other countries, you can't even entertain that idea. Exactly. Because there's, there's, there's basic needs that are not even being met. So some, would, some might say that it's a moral good for the government to allow a free market, right? I would say so. And that rolls really yeah, well into the next chair. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, competition's a good thing. Absolutely, Josh. Moving over to the chair of politics. When the government gets involved in choosing equality of outcome, we hear about this all the time, income inequality suggests that the, the, if you say that that's immoral, it suggests inequality of uh, outcome is, the, is, is a moral good. What does equality of outcome look like in all of the countries that have tried that? Well, uh, so I was just going to, I was going to fire back on, on some of the things that you were, you were just talking about there, and I'll get to those in a moment. But if you want to see the poster child for what not to do, just go ahead and take a look at your map and look at the country of Venezuela. That, that is, that is unequivocally the opposite direction of where you really want to go. They have totally wrecked the potential of a country to, to do well. Because they were looking for to each what they needed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and to everyone something. The problem is, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of stepping ahead of myself a little bit and jumping to my chair. Sure. There will always be income inequality. And, and I, that's, okay, so now you're hitting on where I wanted to go with regards to what you and Josh were talking about. You made a statement there, and I, I, I do somewhat agree with that. There's never going to be a direct relation from a free capitalist type society to those in poverty. I would say that you will have poverty in a capitalist society. And the reason being is because everybody can't necessarily be great. And, and I want to be very careful here because please don't misunderstand me. 
everyone has the same equal opportunity. The quality of their work and, and the, um, the amount that they produce is what's going to dictate whether they, they make it or not. And everyone's different. So the government and their role in jumping in on, on creating this equality of outcome, we've seen what that produces in communist China, in the USSR, in Venezuela, and we've seen what it looks like, and it's not a good look. And and because it, when you create a an equality of outcome, I'm going to say something. It devalues hard work. Absolutely, and does. Be, because if I work an 80 hour week and someone works a 20 hour week, and we both get paid the same, mm-hmm. then you you have devalued that person's work and that person moving on to the chair of culture when you devalue hard work what does that do for excellency well you rob the person of personal self-worth and value so if you are a in a socialist country and you're a doctor but you're making the same amount of money as the guy who didn't go to school and is working on a garbage truck. Now, if you're working on a garbage truck, I'm not, I'm not trying to slam you because it's, it's an honest living. But to be a doctor, you have to go to school for eight years. You have to study. You have to invest a lot. To become drive a, a truck, you have to invest a lot less. So the reward at the end shall not, should not be equal. It should be based on your investment of what you've done. And how, even, about, and, 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 and how about the business owner, the small business owner who takes a risk, they put their life saving into a restaurant mm-hmm. or they put their life savings into, into a, uh, a small market center. When we stump for a minimum wage, what we do to that person who's taken the risk is we limit them and we actually prevent them from buying more product from the farmer down the road at the, su- at the supermarket or at the restaurant. And but we- you also limit the employee because the employee who says, hey, I can just vote this person in office and make $15 an hour so I don't have to go out and get an education and invest in myself to get a higher wage job. And they never, and with the marketplace, the good thing about the marketplace is, is that at the end of the day, you can change where you're working but if you change who can pay what, you've now, uh, you know, as far as, as far as minimum wage is concerned, you're now passing that on, that artificial cost onto the customer mm-hmm. while devaluing the work and causing an issue for the long haul that will build up. It will come back to get you. You're building a market pressure there. Josh wants to jump in. Yes, here. and I had a thought, and it popped up while I was, while you guys were talking about this idea. I think a very important thing to remember in this also is the reason for doing business, reason for going into the market. I think if that, and this is why I guess I have a problem with the way that a lot of companies, if not ninety nine percent, probably the vast majority of the companies. In America operate 
is that God is not in the picture for any of these companies. Mm -hmm. And the end goal is not to glorify God, which is what the end goal of business should be, is to glorify God. But their end goal is to make as much money. And here's the thing. I think the Lord will hand you over to those desires if you keep pursuing them. And from my experience in corporate America, at least, I can definitely say that the, the the types of characters that are drawn to it are very, I'm not going to say greedy, but it's very, it just puts your full sin nature on display. Yeah, and, and quite potentially so. In a lot of cases, you, you'll see that. We talked about this last week when we talked about is welfare moral. We talked about in the Bible, you're not supposed to pick up the sheaves of grain that fell out of your basket. You know, you leave those for the poor. You leave some of your margin. You set it up so that you are glorifying God with some of it. You don't scrap every little bit that you can. And remember, though, in that principle, the poor have to go out and pick it up. Uh-huh. Okay, so it's not the, a handout. Yeah, there's not somebody going mm-hmm. around and picking up the basket and, 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 and giving it to you. You have to way. actually go out there and put some labor into picking it up. And it added value to the farmer. It mm-hmm. added value to the farmer because you cleaned up yes. and you made ready for the next tilling. And yeah. so that there's always that opportunity. And, it, you know, it, whether we're talking about farming or we're talking about corporate America, there is always an opportunity to provide for the poor, even if it's in your kitchen, cleaning up the kitchen and allowing them to eat afterward, you know, what 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 was left over out of the oven you know you don't you don't eat all 30 servings you eat only 28 of them and i guess that's where the big question is you i like the word you use there the opportunity is there the opportunity is presented now here's the unfortunate reality of the matter you're given two opportunities you're given the opportunity to glorify god and dedicate your business to the lord or you're given the opportunity to dedicate your business to abortion and garbage and we do that all too often and it and it happens all too often and so that's i guess where we the church need to step in and i would not say i would say create businesses and 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 create christian economics we need to create that culture yeah that we create that culture because we want to value not only people's work but their lives when you devalue people's work you devalue their lives and that that lends really well over to the philosophy chair over here well i'll I'll say it this way and and, and i i already kind of stated this but there will always be income inequality it's like there will the, the the concept there will we live in an imperialist world you know this thing with afghanistan it's either the american empire that is doing something that is good and benevolent and we have 2,500 troops stationed in Afghanistan just to keep the, the world from falling, or it's going to be the Chinese Communist Empire or the USSR Empire. Someone will come and fill the vacuum. When you have an income inequality because of freedom, you are going to have opportunity. When you force... Exactly from government top-down income equality. There will be a small margin on the bottom and a very widespread. The income inequality will become astronomically higher. You don't believe me? Look at the corporatist American elites. 
the Bezoses, the Zuckerbergs. There's one reason why they haven't failed yet. Because they have government protection. You don't believe me? You look at the uh, Section 240 issues that Twitter and, and Facebook have violated over and over again. You look at the fact that Amazon does not deliver those packages to you two-day free shipping cheap. They do it on your dime. In fact, there was a there, there was a story not too long ago about how Amazon was actually two or three dollars or four dollars a package. The American taxpayer was paying for the USPS shipping. That's do you realize that's that? Unreal. Well, yeah, those companies. That's are... socialism, but we have a different name for this specific type of socialism. It's corporatism, where the corporate overlords if you will if i can be all alex jonesy on you that where 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 the corporate elite have lobbied and made themselves an opportunity to profiteer off of you the taxpayer you will have income inequality and before this podcast miss nikki and i were talking is there going to be income inequality in reward in heaven yes there is and um in the Bible, when it talks about that um, in Corinthians, where you're going to stand in a fire, the wood, the hay, the stubble will burn away, and the the gold and the silver and the the bronze will last. What they're saying is, you are going to be rewarded according to your life on earth. It's not you don't work to get to heaven, but once you get saved, your commitment to the Lord will turn out as gold, silver, and bronze. And not everybody is going to get to heaven and have gold, silver, and bronze. And let's be clear. What are gold, silver, and bronze in heaven? Souls won to Christ. When was the last time you spent an opportunity that was given we waste these every time Dang, bro you read you read the lesson again that's we, crazy we waste <laughs> we waste time every single day where we could minister do, do you pray for your waiter at the table you say hey we're we're, we're, we're we're gonna pray can i pray for you about something is there something we can pray for you about you you have no idea even the most rabid atheist that will warm their heart but uh, let me let me just share something with you because it goes much deeper than because you don't want people to say, well, checking up a box. Like that person got saved. This page. You're an arm. You're an extension of God's arm. And when you have committed and submitted yourself to the Lord, you may be doing in my job, doing my job every day and making sure that I'm doing it to the best of my ability, being honest, having integrity. That is my testimony. That is, that, that, that is the baseline that you are able to base a ministry off of. Because mm -hmm. if you don't live, if you don't live this life, then, then, then it, it's absolutely worthless. And by the way, income inequality, it's a great in on this and say, you know, people say, I, 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 you know, I hate the income inequality here. Well, there's going to be income inequality in heaven. People are going to people are going to jump at that, and then you can you can jump in and say, "Here's why." And how many of us really think about that? I mean, that because that's really a good point. That is, it, it is in income inequality, you know? and so if, if it could be worded like that, yeah. And, and so the question always comes: Is it moral? 
And not not to tie off the day early, but I, I, I'll just say it's it's neither moral or immoral. The question is: is under what context is that income inequality? Is it under a godly system, mm-hmm. say like a capitalist society running underneath Judeo-Christian values, or is it under a godless society? like communist China, because there's incredible income inequality over there. Name me one society that actually has income equality. There's not one. The closest thing you'll find per capita is communist China. And we know what that looks like. Or sterilization of of incredibly of oppressive. You know, then groups. let's do talk about though, because this is what people are thinking. In America, for many many years, we did not allow minorities equal opportunity. They had the right for equal opportunity, and we did not give that. And so came the civil rights movement. So people, no matter what color, no matter what denomination or background have the right to be given a good education they have the right to go to a good college they have the right to be hired for a good job be based on their work ethic based on their um qualifications the the opportunity they have the right for the opportunity and we must address the elephant in the room in america we have many years we did not provide that Amen. And look, the, the, the scars of, of, of slavery are real, and Jim Crow even more so. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so what we need to be doing, however, is not introducing more inequalities. We need to be maintaining the gates of freedom open, and we need to get rid of the remnants of Jim Crow, like, like wealth or education and welfare uh, inequalities that are introduced by those two systems. The education system has this dilapidated, stupid idea that money doesn't follow the kid. The kid, wherever they are, they have to go to that school instead of the parents being able to send the kid to the right school, the school mm-hmm. that's actually competing. But that's the problem with public education, and I, I don't think we should have it. But if we did have it, the money should follow the kid. Well, you know what's interesting? The only scenario, I think, where the kid is allowed to give a choice about which school in the district that they're allowed to go to is in the case of special needs. Mm-hmm. But it's very rare. It's the, ex- it's the exception. To the- and, and you have all of these, and I'm, I'm just going to say, inner city parents who are stuck. They can't move because of their work situation and they want to give their kid a good education, but they're sending them to this school that has a 90% illiteracy rate. Why? Why are we spending $40,000 per kid in Chicago per, per semester? It's like per semester or per year. I forget. And, and these kids come out illiterate. That is asinine, but man, they can throw a ball. And so you, you want to talk about inequality, the, 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 the attempt to make it so that all schools are equal, not all schools are equal, not all kids are equal. You should have a merit-based system so that parents can pick which school to send their kid to. But, you know, let me, at, at, at let me interject there because <laughs> even if you are in the inner city, 
and you are challenged with this type of challenge, any parent who is involved whatsoever with an education of their child, when their child comes home, they oversee that the child is learning to read. They oversee the child is learning their math. Um, well, the black face of white supremacy grew up in uh, in, in that inner city. Okay. I, I'm, I'm talking about Larry Elder here. Uh, could, could, yeah. could, could I also could I also say that there are plenty of kids that I know that are in the suburbs that cannot speak a single sentence without saying like 500 times. Or I, 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 I agree. I agree. <laughs> and 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 I, and I know people who who absolutely cheated the system, even in nice schools. And that's the problem. There's no accountability. Yeah. Yeah. There are good teachers yeah. who are stabbing their Very eyes much. out with their thumbs because they look at the teacher next to them who's not accountable, cannot be fired. And this one, and, and I, I know one who was, who was a music teacher for years. He was a music teacher for years. He could not do anything. He had his hands tied behind his back. He had one kid, one kid at the end of his tenure claimed that uh, he said the N-word. This is the guy that, by the way, adopted two Haitian kids and is the most benign sweet Christian man you'll ever meet is because this kid was beating up another kid and he knew all he had to do is claim that the teacher said the n-word and 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 he got fired two years before his pension okay <laughs> okay so the public school system focuses on this 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 equality of outcome as well and I it, the, the, the question is not equality of outcome, but it, let's ask let's ask here: Are Americans living a better life? And I believe Mr. Charlie actually has that that Market Watch story. Yeah, so Some. there's a, a good article here on uh, Market Watch, and it's dated May 2019. So yeah, it's a little old, but but it's it, it's yeah. And and I will say this: that if you get a chance, I would strongly recommend that you read it. Let me give the whole name of the article. It's an opinion piece. Um, Americans' living standards are at an all-time high. Here's proof. And you know it it really goes over some interesting data. But let me let me just kind of kick this off a little bit here. Progressives claim that despite the old that's in parentheses. New Deal, the Great FDR. Society, and Obamacare, the in, uh, incomes of the vast majority of Americans have stagnated for three decades. That's 30 years. 30 years is what they're saying. And the income distribution remains uh, disturbingly unequal and must be fixed with more progressive taxes. So let's pause there. Mm -hmm. FDR, LBJ, and Obama in spite of radical programs that have actually crippled our economy, we mm -hmm. would all be living better lives, especially the poor, without them. We still haven't done it. And it, it, the question is, is how many more times with the, how many more times must we cripple ourselves with this utopianism? But keep going. Well, and, and I'll also say too, of all the things that Trump, I think, wanted to accomplish while in office, Repealing Obamacare was would have been a nice centerpiece for him. You can't repeal entitlements. No, it just it, it's, doesn't, it's, doesn't work. It does not happen. So, <clears throat> additionally, in this in this article, um, who would know better uh, than Joseph Stiglitz? After all, he is a Nobel laureate in economics. And this guy that wrote this piece, uh, his name is uh, Ed Yardeni, uh, took a class under him at Yale um, 
versus PhD program. Well, listen to this here. In a New York Times article last month titled, Progressive Capitalism is Not an Oxymoron, Stiglitz lamented, despite the lowest unemployment rate since the late 60s, the American economy is failing its citizens. Some 90% have seen their income stagnate or decline in the past 30 years. I want to address that in a moment. This is not surprising given that the United States has the highest level of inequality among the advanced countries and one of the lowest levels of opportunity with the fortunes of young Americans more dependent on the income and education of their parents than elsewhere. You know, it's really interesting when you go and you take a look at what... Totally fallacious. Oh, it's horrendous. Yeah, horrendous. When, When you look at 30 years ago, just take a look at minimum wage alone, but let's forget minimum wage even exists. If you take a look at the average amount of income for people on its face, we easily have seen wages go up. For that's, sure. Part that's of that's inflation. But, I was going to say but, inflation, I think, is a big issue with why that dollar is devalued if the income is but if and, you're, and, and I agree. But the quality of life oh, has changed. And you absolutely. Can, and you can thank these corporations that people love to hate on. And, and I know I'm talking about Zuckerberg and I'm talking about Dorsey. My issue with them is not that they're rich. It's not that Bill Gates kind of sort of stole... His idea for Windows, but he made a lot of money on it. Great. Good on you for making the money. Not so great on you for, for experimenting with vaccines in Africa and killing oh. lots of people in villages. They don't want to run down that tangent. They're not held accountable. They're not held accountable when they break the law. That's my issue. It's not the issue that they're rich. Yep. And the, the, there is some... And here's the thing. With all lies, there is something interesting. There's a little bit of truth. These guys are, are being not held accountable for crimes that they commit or crimes that their companies are allowed to run away with. So there is a reason to have ought with some of these guys. But it's not that they're rich. Well, in their it's case, that they're influential and using it. And I want to move over to the chair of theology and I want to hear your thoughts on that. When Satan tells a lie, Mm-hmm. He does a really good job weaving the truth into it. Mm. Yeah, Zuckerberg, Dorsey, uh, Wojcicki, you know, all, all these people, Alphabet, Twitter, Apple, <coughs> they all, YouTube, Facebook, they all are actually doing criminal activity. But instead of looking at the wrong that they're doing, we've bought this lie that it's because they're rich. What does the Bible say about that? I would say in their case, definitely it is because they are rich that they are, and they have been given over to because that they're allowed to do that because because they're yeah. using their influence. Well, the thing is, right? I don't know if these gentlemen are believers. I would I would tend to probably say the answer is no, but just from actions, from what they support. So in their cases, being rich is not good because they're going to give to things that are detrimental. To the gospel the riches aren't aren't good or bad but they certainly magnify the character flaw well that's what i'm saying in their case that's what i'm saying in their case it's bad but the the idea alone is not bad and what could you repeat the original question so when satan weaves a lie okay yeah yeah i got you he, la- he laces it with truth does he not oh oh 100 i mean 
you could listen to a bunch of sermons and you would say you know what that wasn't necessarily that bad but the thing is you'll go back and listen to it and there's like slight nuances in what they say or for example i'll give this the uh, the idea of modalism for example very easy to pass by someone if you're not really paying attention but that's how he works the heresy is very slight the songs that we sing there's some pretty garbage things in those songs that we sing and in some songs some songs not going to sh- say anybody's name but you know what i'm talking you know you probably know who the culprits are but it's it's the slight nuances and also i would even say this just with some of the i'm going to even go to the music i'm just going to talk about the music the gospel music that we have we watered down christianity so much in these gospel songs that yeah. it creates a a culture of watered down christianity and when you have that culture it's really easy to gloss over the verses like james 5 1 through through 8 where he's he's talking to the rich but then he qualifies it it's not the rich that are bad it's the fact that you've oppressed the poor that you've killed the yeah, righteous you've, you've withheld their run wages. over you've withheld their wages it's not the rich yeah it's the rich who their riches have provided them the opportunity to do evil and moving over to the to, to the right to the chair of politics Mr. Charlie, mm-hmm. we're, we're looking at, at this world that's been created where we had a free market economy for years. But what we're seeing is this discontentment with the so-called rich. But is it, the government is now stepping in and siding with whom? Oh, it's with corporate. And the whole thing is that that goes back to what we discussed last week um, in, in our podcast it is truly a power grab. This is why I'm a huge fan of term limits in our political system. We should not have career senators or representatives or presidents or, and I could go on. It really should be rotated. That would limit that kind of thing. Oh man, you and I have had this conversation before <laughs> on radio on a different program, yep. but we'll, we'll, we'll at the very minimum, the church should be active in voting so that we do not allow that to happen. And I would advocate that that point right there, even though we don't have term limits, if we were doing our jobs as Christians, it wouldn't be that it way. Wouldn't be an issue. Well, that's, uh, you know, there's the problem there in the church is many of our church people are voting for the agenda of the politician wanting the provisions and the little gifts that they're promising and taking their eyes off the Lord and looking toward the politicians. Well, last so week we talked about buying votes. Yeah. And that's absolutely that's what's going on right now. And the thing is, the thing that blows my mind is that we are now in this place where we are actually legislating into power these unelected companies where we're creating a socialistic state, but with a corporatist bent. And instead of looking at what you have and how blessed you've been, the fact that you can make eighty, two hundred thousand dollars $200,000 a year in a relatively simple job. I'm, I'm just going to say it. There are a lot of people who have relatively simple jobs that make that much money. You will trade that opportunity 
for a guaranteed $30,000 a year in or, or so in welfare. In welfare. And that's happening. And that's what we're watching right now with the government competing for jobs with votes, with this COVID relief. And you know what's interesting about that, John Arthur, is just yesterday, or, or I'm sorry, Friday, the new jobs report had come out two months in a row that the numbers were really poor, and Biden blew it off and blamed it on COVID. And yet, his labor secretary is getting pressured about, why have we got two months like this? Well, he blamed it on COVID too. Here's the problem. You can't blame it on COVID. You guys You've got more help wanted signs in the stores, in, in restaurants, than I've ever seen in my lifetime. It's because of the, it is because of COVID, or rather COVID policy. There's COVID, I'll give you that. the virus, and there's COVID policy. Which, which one actually has done more damage? I'm going to say COVID policy. policy. Yeah. And, and, and we're, not, we're not even seeing the damage that's being done. Let's move over to the chair of culture on this. When we have a culture that is objectively, and if, if you go down further down this Mark, Market Watch uh, article, you'll, you'll see that working Americans, they haven't quote unquote got a raise. That, that's using a very specific median income stat that is a, kind of a goofy, a goofy thing. If you want to get real wonkish, dive into this. But the long and short of it is we are doing better. Our poor people, like I said, now you have five TVs, 10 TVs in a mm -hmm. poor house, whereas before one TV was for the rich 30 mm -hmm. years ago. Yep. So when we have a culture that is valuing entitlements over work, what is, is that culture sustainable? No, it's not, not sustainable. It's not sustainable, and I think we'll see the um, outcome of this within the next year. Um, let me just read this from Benjamin Franklin that addresses the poor in society. And he said, he said, I am doing good to the poor, but I think the best way of doing good to the poor is not making them easy in poverty, but leading or driving them out of it. I observed the more public provisions were made for the poor, the less they provided for themselves, and of course became poor. And on the contrary, the less was done for them, the more they did for themselves and became richer. So, that still applies that's today. Ben Franklin. That applies today still. That was without a welfare state. That that's was correct. That was church and social safety nets like clubs doing in societies or associations as de Tocqueville would have called them. You must understand that the money the government has comes from the people. And the more you take from the people to give to other people, the less incentive it is for the people who are paying the, the taxes to work. Why, why should I work when 40% of my income is going to the people who don't work, to the government? That people will always make adjustments one way or the other. Why can't I also suck off the government's teeth? Well, the, the answer is, is that's not sustainable. That's and right. and neither is the welfare state. As we've seen, the Social Security uh, Ponzi scheme uh, created by FDR, uh, but what is it, 80 years later, is about to collapse. And uh, those who've paid into it for years, like, well, like uh, Mr. Charlie, Miss Nikki, are getting real close to that age, what, what was promised them, but... They, they, do you realize that when Social Security was was created... The average man lived to be 62. You, 
collected Social Security at 65. They never intended. It's a Ponzi scheme. They never yeah, intended. I was going to say age, age is not the issue there. They were stealing. They, they, they were stealing out of your checkbook to no, use and to swing elsewhere and to make and, and to make deals yeah. and do do things. They're stealing out of your checkbook, and 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 that's, that's the, the real, real issue, issue with with income equality. Effectively, mm -hmm. it always comes down to: Are you allowing people to make money on their own, or are you stealing from some to give to others? And that lends very well over to the chair of philosophy. You look at. Just look at this from the perspective of, is this sustainable? Making income equal across the board is not sustainable, at least not at a certain level. We can all eat dirt together. That's, that's a, actually a really good distinction. It is sustainable, but to what level? Uh, if we all eat dirt together, and if we're all in, say, USSR style poverty, we will. Yeah. And by the way, the USSR and by the way, the Chicoms, they benefited so much from corporate espionage. They stole so much from America, the one that was free and open. Yep. So if you look at the question of, of welfare and the, you look at the question of income inequality, always come down to what is your purpose with the chair of philosophy speaking here, what is your purpose with this program, with this law? Are you intending to help the poor and impoverished get up and to change their lives and be transformative? Or are you looking to keep them generationally in this position of poverty? Or let me rephrase it. Will the handout, not hand up, that you're giving these people create intergenerational poverty? That should be your question. And what do we see happening with the welfare state? What do we see? It has no limits. It has no limits. Why? Why should I jump off this this food truck? It's always here for me. If you're not going to tell me that I have a limited time to receive these um, food stamps and receive my rent and provide me a place. Why should I jump off? What's the motivation for it? That's why we have the help wanted signs right now is because there's quote unquote, not a limit. And it's going to, it's going to continue until this country collapses. Yeah. When this country collapses, I warn you, beloved church, this church, this country collapsing will be the end of your lives as you know it you will have a new life and it is not a pretty one it's not one that you're used to living when the world restructures and reorganizes you will have a change in which cultures are living in your society open borders let me be clear i have no issue with other ethnicities being in my suburb i have issues with sharia supremacists People who rape women and say it was a one-hour marriage. I have an issue with that in my backyard. That is coming, and it will be allowed and permissible in this new world order if they get what they want. They want open borders. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is their stated agenda. This is what they've said they've wanted for decades. We need to do a, a podcast on Marxism. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what, what we, we should talk about Marxism and communism because, look, at the end of the day, there, there is no, in heaven, there's no laws, per se, and there's no, uh, uh, it's a dictatorship. It's a benevolent dictatorship. But the problem is, is unlike what we live down here, and I'm using nasty words to describe that. I, I was going to say that benevolent but, word is good. But, but you look at it. If you're all conformed to the image of Christ and Christ created you and there's a place for heaven in you, you will each will work according to their need. Each one will have according to their want and the capacity and everyone will, will live in this utopia. But it'll be 100% of nature, of your nature, living in this ecosystem that was created. Sounds a lot like communism. But the problem is communism, at least that's the utopian ideal, Actual communism does not look like that. It looks like millions dead mm. and poverty and languishing and fear and tyranny. So sort of to wrap up the day here, I want to go around the room. Chair of Theology, what does the Bible say about equality of outcome in your income? Well, that is that. Well, at least... In a perfect world, it would be awesome. But in a flawed and sinful world, not possible. If you don't work, you don't. So if someone didn't work and someone did, which one should be should both be eating? No. No. So <laughs> that, yeah, that right there, that's your very, very simple apologetic tool yeah. for that. But again, everything else that we said today, moving on to the uh, right, the chair of politics, wrapping up the day, when the government becomes involved in regulating equality of outcome or income equality, what occurs? Well, you, you, get, you get oppression. There's, that's number one. You get a lack of opportunity. That's number two. And ultimately, you're going to, I like the phrase that you're using earlier, you're going to end up eating dirt. It's, it's not going to go the way that they tell you it's going to go. And might I suggest that income equality is a sin because much like if you have equality uh, of opportunity, that's God's economy. Everyone has the opportunity to choose him. If we decide and force and cram down what we're going to choose, doesn't that sound a lot like a lot like sin? Yeah. yeah. Moving on to the chair of culture to the right, Miss Nikki, what happens to the human spirit when we enforce inequality of outcome? It loses its sense of value. A person that works hard and is rewarded for hard work, there's value in that. That's self-motivation. When you do, don't have that reward at the end anymore, that loses your motivation to move forward, to improve yourself, to, to work hard. And remember, the reason the pilgrims came here to begin with was not just for religious freedom, but also for opportunity. When they were in England, you had your classes, and you never got out of that class. You never were going to become a land baron. You were never going to become um, 
rich in a sense because it was all based on classes. And we are quickly moving to that. Whereas if you see now, you have the elite who have a law for themselves, and yet upon, you know, they get in front of a microphone and they're politicians and they act one way, but then they condemn that same behavior in front of the microphone. Now I'm talking about the mass situation. And you know, they have one the thing, freedom to do that yeah. because we've allowed that. That's correct. One quick word on just tagging on to what she was saying. I think the other thing we lose too is creativity, mm. inventorship. Absolutely. We, it just, it gets, there is no motivation to think and improve. That's right. I, I once made the mistake of saying that the, this was one friend of mine absolutely blew up at me. He got, he, he got all mad, called me a racist. I said, the chai comms have very little creativity or ingenuity. And he thought I was making a racial statement. No, 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 no. I'm making a statement of that culture is good at copying what other people do and mechanically impairing technologies together. But you have a unique creativity that comes with the reward incentive of you can get ahead. I was mm-hmm. going to say, if you can imagine what they would look like if they opened it up. Oh, my gosh. China would, ru- would rule the world yes, it would. fast. Yes. And, and it, because they have, so much, they have so much human capital. Yeah. But moving on to the chair philosophy, when you look at these laws, when you look at these economic decisions, kind of sitting in the chair of economics too, always ask yourself, why am I doing what, am I, what, what I'm doing and will it create the right outcome? If I am giving someone money, $3,000 or $2,000 a month for the rest of their life, will that change their personal issues? Will that help them lead a happier, more fulfilled life? Or will I just put them into a long-term cycle of self-loathing and regret? Or could I make the opportunity open enough so that they can succeed and give them the hand up, give them the two or $3,000 for six months, 12 months, whatever they need to get on their feet so that they can move forward and become profitable members of society. And more importantly, know the satisfaction that God instilled in humans to enjoy a day's work well done. To enjoy that. If you cannot enjoy that, I'm sorry, you are missing part of humanity. And we should be looking to instill that in our children. And when we have those in our society who are not seeing that, we need to work with them to try to get them stable on their own. Otherwise, they will never live life to the fullest. And they will certainly miss out on the benefits that God created them to enjoy on a spiritual level as well as a fiscal level with that said thank you so much for joining us in our conversation today uh thank you for giving us a listen look we get those uh those comments on uh itunes spotify those mean so much to us those five star ratings do an immeasurable amount for our Mm -hmm. podcast uh as always in the comment section down there leave us a comment let us know what you thought of today's podcast if you have a specific argument that you think we missed give us that argument tell us from which chair you're arguing the whole nine yards and as always if you did not like this podcast smash that dislike button twice love you have a great week thank you have a great week everybody bye